Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Before we begin uh, today's sermon, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. Just because the scriptures are short in their length, I just don't want you to get a false sense as to the sermon, okay? (laughs) Just want to be clear. We're continuing on our false sermon series, and for those of you that may not have been for a while or are visiting, we're... We've been doing a series entitled God's Way, and in effect what we've been talking about is living life as a disciple of Jesus Christ and living life God's way. And we've been talking about God's love, we've been talking about God's compassion, we've been talking about being a part of God's family, God's church, living in God's world, and in effect this life that we've been blessed with. And living in God's world, when you look around his creation, we have a couple of times spoken about Adam and Eve and what they were given, and that we are following as their descendants what we've been given. And we have been called, like them, to be stewards of what we've been given. But see, the challenge is, is not to get the mindset that most of us, if not all of us have, that we are owners of what we've been given. And it's a real problem. See, when we get into the mindset that we own what we have and we're not stewards of what we have, we can become possessive. It's mine. It's mine, it's all mine. And I want more. And it's really a problem, especially today in the United States, because we want what we want, and we want what we want now, and we want comfort, and we want security, and we think we have to be the one to provide it, and we forget the source, that the source is really the Lord. And because we think we have to be the one to provide it, we stop trusting him and doing it his way. We cease to be stewards, we become owners, and we become possessive. And we don't trust him to what he says as to how we're to live as stewards. And it doesn't take long when you look back in Scripture to see how after Adam and Eve, when you have Cain and Abel, how when they were in worship, you see, on the one hand, Abel whose offering, his sacrifice, was acceptable to the Lord. Why? Because he gave the best. He gave the first fruit. His motivation was proper. He had a pure heart. And he wanted to give of the Lord the best of what God has given to him. And then you have Cain. Cain who held back. Cain whose heart wasn't pure. 
Cain who gave second best leftovers. And how often in our lives that's what we do. Scripture talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. And it being idolatry. Because what happens over time is that instead of seeing all that we have being God's and His provision, and that we're to respond to what we have as being His provision, we become possessive of that. And like Cain, we give God what's left instead of what's first. What is second best as opposed to what's best. And setting aside for him what he calls us to give and giving what we want. The person who is called the father of faith for both Israel in the Old Testament and Christians in the New Testament, the people of God, if you will, was Abraham. And Abraham, we are told, tithed. And he was the first to tithe, and the tithe became the norm for the people of God. And in fact, if you look throughout Scripture, the tithe was considered the basic standard of giving. And then there was the offering, and then there was giving to the temple, and then there was taking care of the poor and the orphan. And even Jesus in Matthew 23 referred to the tithe as the least. And the tithe, by the way, isn't just your pledge. The tithe is 10%. Just so you're clear. It's 10% of what you take in as representative of giving back to God what he's given to you. Because when you give 10% of anything, you pay attention to what you're giving. You give 10% of your time, you're going to pay attention to it. You give 10% of your resources, you're going to pay attention to it. And so the tithe was considered... The minimum standard of giving. And Abraham was our example, our witness. It's a part of worship. And the battle that we have to fight is this idolatrous behavior that makes us the center. That says, well, I want for me. And I think I have to do it. And instead of trusting the Lord, we think it's all about us making and keeping and providing for. And so we cease trusting the Lord. And this worldly mindset that we have to battle against is a challenge. I'm not saying it's not. Because of everything we see around us and everything we hear in the media, we have to resist it. Several years ago, I was sitting in an audience listening to a speaker. Some of you have heard me say this before. I just absolutely love it. And the speaker said, here's the challenge. Because subtly or overtly, you're given the message all the time. And this is how most people live in terms of the stewardship of their lives and what they do with what they have. They get all they can, they can all they get, and they sit on their can. That's the mindset. And we've got to resist that mindset. As stewards of our lives, as stewards what God has given to us. 
that we have a generous spirit because he's been generous with us. That's what we see in Luke 21. The model of this woman in Luke 21. God's economy. See, the problem is, is not that God isn't generous. God is generous. When you look at the world and all that's in it, there's plenty to go around. The problem is the people aren't always generous. And the distribution isn't always there. There's plenty of food in the world. There's plenty of provision in the world. The problem is the people in the world aren't always generous and they don't distribute it to the people that have need. See, the challenge is for the people of God to begin to catch that. That we who have been blessed, that we learn what it means to be generous, that we learn what it means to to distribute, to give to those who don't have. And that we model that for the world. But it begins with us. It begins with us in terms of our resources. It begins with us in terms of our talent and our time and our resources. All of it. And that we learn from Jesus Christ what our life is meant to look like. We learn from the apostles. We learn from the early church, from the acts of the apostles, what our life is meant to look like. I've said this before. If you were through the new members class, you heard me say it. I really didn't understand tithing until I met my wife. I really didn't. You know, when I met Meredith, we met doing ministry together. I mean, it was, it was a great story. So she's never known me apart from doing ministry. So I was beginning to understand the life of a disciple. I was still in college. I wasn't heading towards seminary at that point. But we met doing ministry together. So I was beginning to get my understanding of walking with the Lord and doing ministry. But I still didn't understand tithing. See, to me at that point in my life, I was working as a waiter in a, in a restaurant, putting myself through college. Tithing to me was tipping enough to make me feel good. That, that was tithing. Okay? Well, when Meredith and I got married, she said, well, of course we're going to tithe. And I said, well, of course we're going to tithe. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and she said, well, we need to set aside 10%. And I said, What? That's a lot of money. She said, yes. We never stopped. Ever. When we were in seminary, we got down to $40 to our name. We never stopped. We talked about tithing to ourselves at that point. I'm not kidding. But we didn't. God has always provided for us. Always blessed us. I could tell you story after story in my life, in other people's lives. The one I know best is my own. When people tell me it can't be done, I just smile because I know it can because I've lived it and I've been blessed and I've always had enough. 
Because God is a generous God. And he uses people. And he uses surprises. And see, that's what this widow in Luke 21 understood. That unless you've experienced it, you will never understand. Because you're still operating on your own strength. You're not trusting the Lord. She understood. See, the Pharisees and Sadducees would look at someone like that, and you know what they'd do? They'd go, big deal, two coins. Jesus looked at the heart. She trusts. She understands. Because she gave everything. She understands faith. This is a widow. Someone who understood suffering. Especially during her time to be a widow. She understood pain. She understood need. But she trusted. See, it's so easy to get into being jealous or envious. To look around and see what other people have. To see what we don't have. To see what we want. And to get into not trusting the Lord. To live according to the world's standards. Instead of the Lord's standards. And this widow understood, I can trust him because I've seen his provision. I've seen his gifts. Because God is a generous God. She probably looked at creation and saw God's wonderful provision. You know, I walked out this morning, 4.30 in the morning. It's usually one of the first things I do just to see if the paper's there or not. It wasn't. But one of the reasons I do it is because I always like to look up and see if there's stars out. And this morning at that time was a beautiful morning. Gorgeous, clear sky. And you know, unfortunately now, I can see more stars than I used to. But it was wonderful. And you look at that and say, God made that for us. And I look at where I live, and I love where I live. And God made this for us. And I don't want to leave this island. That's why I stayed, by the way. I know, some of you got mad at me. That's why I stayed. I love this place. And I've watched God provide and bless beyond. You know what I'll bet some of you never asked yourself? Why do I live here and not in a third world country? 
Why have I been so blessed to be born in the United States? So blessed to live on this island? And not live in the slums of Haiti? We don't ask those questions. We have so much to be grateful for. It doesn't mean that there isn't pain here. I know there's a lot of pain here right now. Because of the hurricane. Because of the loss in people's lives. But God's provision is bountiful. And on top of that, he sent his son to die on a cross in our place for our sin. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our strength and our guide and our comforter. This widow didn't even know those truths. That Jesus is our salvation and the power of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit. She didn't even know those truths. And she trusted the Lord already. We know that power. We know those truths. We know His eternal provision. And we don't trust Him? Malachi in the Old Testament called the Israelites out. He said, are you really going to rob God? Really? You're going to rob God? You know what I like to think of Malachi as? Malachi. The Italian prophet. You're really going to rob God? I want to talk to you. You're God's people. He's blessed you. And you're going to rob him? That's what he's saying. He has a call on you. A call on your life. You call yourself his people. He calls you to be holy. Holy means set apart. He has set you apart. And he has a call on you to set apart for him, for his work. And you're going to take that away from him? You're going to take that away from what he can do with that? And bless other people? Really? Trust him. Trust him and see what he'll do if you really give to him. He'll bless you. But you'll never experience that unless you trust him and not yourself. Unless you serve him and not yourself. That's what Malachi's saying. And the tithe is a percentage. 10%. Why? Because 10% is fair. That's why. You know, $100 to some people is like $10,000 to other people. Do you realize that? For people that don't have, $100 is like $10,000 to people that are multimillionaires. 
And people don't think like that. I used to tell my kids when they were younger and we were struggling. I said, do you see that really nice car that that person is driving? That's like the equivalent of the car that I'm driving based on our economic standards. (laughs) And I tried to teach them that truth as they were growing up. Because you live at the level that you're blessed with. And you learn to be content with that. One of the reasons we are a discontented people is because we live with envy, we live with jealousy, we live with want. And we think we have to provide ourselves. If we learn to be content, then we would understand the tithe to be fair. God's way. That $100 to someone is like $10,000 to someone else in God's economy. And if you've been blessed with a lot, God says to whom much is given, much is required, then you need to be given a lot. That's God's economy. That's the way it works. Because most likely you're the ones taking the more extravagant vacations and going out to nice places for dinner. Because that's the way it works. But we don't think like that. But that's the way the tithe works. You're getting a good meal today. How much do you pay for a good meal? We don't think like that. See, we need to reorient our thinking to God's thinking and reorient our priorities to God's priorities. That's what we need to do. Because if we're truly going to be a Christian a Christian, Christ-like, then we need to begin to develop the mind of Christ. Let me draw an analogy for you. Before I dated, who did I think about most? Me. Being perfectly honest. And then when I started dating, my world started changing. And then when I got married, my world changed drastically. And then when I had children, my world changed drastically again. Because I began to invest my time in other people. Why? Because I love them. The reality is when you say you love someone, you invest in them. Time, talent, treasure. You invest in them. When we say we love the Lord, it's supposed to be the same. There's a cost. Time, talent, treasure. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we give of ourselves to Him. 
But see, we don't always understand it that way. You know, if you were to look at the gifts of the Spirit, which the body of Christ, if you're in the body of Christ, he gives his gifts to his people. They're primarily found in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. In 1 Corinthians 12, one of the gifts that's listed is the gift of faith. And you probably know people like this. No matter what they face in their life, they never waver in their faith. They never have doubt. They never have question. They always have a sense of joy and peace about their life. They are blessed with the gift of faith. They just trust the Lord no matter what, and they move forward, and they're always positive. You know people like that, right? They're wonderful to be around at times, and at times they want to make you throw up. But they're great people. They really are. That's the gift of faith. In Romans 12, one of the gifts that's listed is the gift of giving. And it says, the one who has the gift of giving is to give generously. Now, why do I bring that up? Because we're all called to have faith. It's just that some people have a gift that's extraordinary. We're all called to give. It's just that some people have this gift that's extraordinary. Now, if we're all called to faith, that means that as a Christian, you're to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And once you do, you're called to be his disciple and to follow him and to live with his mind and his heart, his compassion and his love. That's faith. If you have the gift, there's a difference. See, but as a Christian, we're all called to give. And the standard is the tithe. Jesus calls it the least. But I know people who give 50% of their income to the Lord's work. That's the gift. I hope we have some people who have that gift here. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that we're all called to tithe. And the question is, are you there yet? The average giver in the United States today is 1 to 2%. 1 to 2%. In other words, 10 to 20% of the tithe. If that's what we have here, and I don't know, can you imagine what we could do if people tithed? Think about that. How we could impact lives. How we could take care of people. If you're not there yet, I challenge you. Take an honest look. An honest look. Say, what am I giving? If you're married, take a look with your spouse. And take a step of faith. 
Tithe for a month. See if it really hurts you. If you're giving 1%, jump to 2 or 3. If you're giving 2%, jump to 3 or 5. If you're not used to it, it's going to hurt. You might need to trim your vacation a little bit. You might need to wait a year or two to drive that new car. I understand that. Trust me. It's God's call. But what God can do with a church that really understands living life His way, who really gives time, talent, and treasure, who doesn't just give to appease their conscience or worship to appease their guilt once in a while. Or let other people do the work and the ministry of the church. But a church that seeks to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be like Him. His way. His way. That's God's economy. That's God's family. That's God's church. Sorry if I'm being too subtle for you this morning. But I just dream about what we could be and what we could do. If we really were that kind of church. Let's pray. Lord God, it's so easy to acquiesce to the ways of the world, to the mindset of the world, to think it's all about us. To be the one that provides instead of looking to you. To trust ourselves instead of trusting you. Lord, I pray this day that you would help us to take an honest look at what it means to be your disciple. What it means to truly trust you. What it means to be people of faith. To seek to live life as stewards. And living life your way, God's way. Lord, we thank you for the extravagant gift that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. For the gift of his sending the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and comfort us and empower us and guide us. And Lord, I pray this day 
that you would move in our hearts and in our lives to truly seek to be your people, your church, in a world that would have us live otherwise. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.